city heartbeat flutter with stuttering sounds. Got a music for silver lining clouds tumbling down. Town we breathe in memory. Welcome everyone. You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio, a show about working class culture and politics. We are based in what is currently occupied Lenape land, otherwise known as New York City. My name is Leah Ramirez, and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm your other host, Julian Guerrero. First and foremost, we want to give a big Mayday shout out to working class New Yorkers and workers across the world. May 1st is an international working class holiday that started in the U.S. as a day to mark the fight for the eight hour workday. That fight was led by immigrant workers, and today immigrants are once again on the front lines in the fight for all working people. As some of you may know, last week thousands of delivery workers marched in Manhattan to bring attention to their unsafe working conditions, as well as a list of demands that they have to address these issues. On today's show, we'll be speaking to deliveristas Katia and Juan Carlos about their experience as delivery workers in New York City and the organizing that they are involved in. So in our first segment, Julian and I will be chatting about like the larger issue, right, when it comes to these large app corporations like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash, um, and how designating their workers as independent contractors basically gets them out of providing basic labor protections and why this is such a bad thing for workers. Um, so we're going to be taking some calls in this segment, so get ready to give us a call at 212-209-2877. Before we dive into that conversation, though, we want to have a moment of silence for all the delivery workers who have been killed due to the dangerous conditions that they often face. In fact, on Thursday, Xing Long Lin, a delivery worker, was killed by a reckless driver while waiting on duty outside of a restaurant at 35th Street and Dittmar's Boulevard in Astoria, Queens. Please, let's observe 30 seconds of silence. Okay, thank you all for observing that moment of silence. On International Workers' Day, we wanted to discuss the issue of worker classification, who it affects, and what it means. Now, quote-unquote, worker classification is a super academic and technical word, but essentially it's an issue that determines whether or not workers have the same legal rights as most working class people do. And its very existence, this misclassification issue, actually creates two different tiers of workers in the country. Now, nobody is more excited by this setup than the corporate world who is looking at these unemployment models, hoping that it will bring about a new era of low-cost labor. But this issue of worker classification arises in our show today in connection to the struggle of delivery workers. But actually, if we went back, back in time, back into the first season of Working Class Heroes, we would find another city workforce that has long dealt with the same issue. And if you're thinking about Uber drivers, well, then the spirit of May Day is within you, comrade. Uber drivers, also known as for hire vehicle drivers or FHV drivers, have long been hampered by this very model. 
we tried to address some of these issues in our first season, and we're very lucky to speak to Javay Tariq in 2019 about it. Javay Tariq is a founding member of the New York Taxi Workers Alliance, an organization fighting to organize and represent the New York City taxi driver workforce. This is what Javed had to say about the issue of worker classification. The driver who was working in a, 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 as a FHV, yeah, they considered as employee because uh, uh, they got guided by the company. So Uber also drivers are guided by the company, and Uber is getting money, and then they keep their commission and giving to driver. So by the rule, by the law, they're supposed to be employee, but Uber did a lot of uh, wrong propaganda. No, you are independent contractor, you have your own timing, blah, blah, blah. No, this is just ex- exploitation to give a wrong uh, promises to the people and uh, 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 avoiding to give them benefits. Yeah, yellow cab drivers are totally independent contractor because uh, they pay the lease and then they are on their own. We are, uh, We know it. But at least app company drivers or FHV drivers, they're supposed to be employees and they should get those all benefits. So doesn't matter whichever cars you drive, they all have one kind of license. So some, we have a lot of our members who was driving yellow cabs and now they switch from yellow to app companies to Uber. Some people were driving, start driving Uber. They did not like it. They went back to the yellow industry. For us, driver is driver. We want uh, that every driver should have at least livable income, and uh, they should have dignity in their jobs, and uh, they can feed their family. Again, that was Javed, a taxi driver who's basically calling out how worker misclassification is basically a ploy by these companies like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash who are once again trying to escape their responsibilities and their duties as employee employers and exploit workers for profit. And they're basically taking advantage of this capitalist system that has created loopholes in the current U.S. labor law and antitrust laws. Um, but, you know, we know what's up, right, Julian? Um, you know, despite um, the emphasis that these app-based workers are, you know, an, saying how great it is to work for them and all the freedom it provides. You know, we know that's not the case for the vast majority of these workers on these apps. And again, we heard this directly from app drivers and taxi drivers in our previous season of Taxi Wars. Right. So for employers considering workers as independent contractors, they're able to avoid, again, providing those benefits and it legally bars these workers from unionizing. Workers lose labor rights, such as wage and hour protections, health and safety standards, access to unemployment insurance, and workers' compensation. But I think most importantly here is that the workers are actually um, not legally allowed to form unions, not able to represent themselves, to form a bargaining unit that is able to negotiate um, these issues. Um, And sorry for the background noise, y'all. We're having a few people jump onto our show. Um, Sean, if you can get a chance to meet them, that'd be helpful. Thank you. Um, But yeah, so the issue of them not being able to represent themselves uh, on a year-to-year basis in negotiations over their pay or their benefits, that thing is huge. It really, really is huge. Um, And we've seen how Uber and Lyft specifically have done this, have basically 
pulled workers away from the sort of uh, current regulated work setups that these workers sort of existed in. So, for example, Uber and Lyft, they dumped billions of dollars into subsidizing, into drawing these drivers away from yellow cabs, from the green cabs, from, to join the Uber model. And in the and what, when they did so initially, they were getting all these extra like perks and all these extra pay and the, the commission was much higher. But the moment it becomes, you know, a, really a lot of workers start to come into the app and into that service, Uber or Lyft, um, you saw both those companies start to drop the commission, start to eliminate these perks. And obviously that has, you know, a huge impact on the working conditions uh, of, of the drivers. But I mean, we've seen this in other industries, right? Yeah. Um, you know, one example that I read about actually um, happened in California. And I know I've, there's been other places, um, Albertsons, which is a grocery store. They basically, what they did that was super shady. Um, they fired all of their unionized delivery workers and instead contracted out to um, app base workers. And so again, this is like what you're saying, Julian, about how it really um, undermines a lot of the protections that uh, workers have fought for for decades, especially when it comes to getting, um, you know, places of employment unionized. Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not only just happening at these like, um, you know, franchise stores or uh, grocery stores like Albertsons and and folks may not know, but Albertsons, I don't think Albertsons exists actually in New York city, but I've seen in other places um, further South. Um, but it's not, again, those, those kinds of dynamics that sort of corporate insurgent model where these companies, these tech startups are, are basically swimming in the sort of gray area of labor law and are able to create these setups. They're, they're having huge detrimental impacts on, on, on current jobs. So for example, you know, what, what Leah was just referring to, um, we're seeing that same sort of dynamic happening at small local restaurants here. Um, and like, you know, basically these apps sell their product to these, to these restaurants, the restaurants, instead of employing the same delivery workers uh, in-house and paying for them and providing whatever benefits or, you know, respect that the other workers are getting, um, they fire them and then they take this application and in the process, these workers have less rights, have less um, uh, protections and they speak to this themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I think something to point out for that is the majority of delivery workers in New York City are immigrants. And what does that mean? Right. When you have people who are working directly with restaurants as delivery workers and then they're they're not able to sign up for a lot of the things that are required for an app. And a lot of that is like, you know, you have to have like a social security number and all these all this other documentation. So that's also something that, um, you know, needs to be highlighted and emphasized that it's really um, hurting the immigrant community. Um, and through through um, you know this rise for app-based uh, workers, absolutely, and it creates like a digital divide as well, right? People who well now workers have to have a smartphone, they have to have these apps downloaded, um, they have to be able to read and navigate all that, and oftentimes again, there's not really too much due process here for many of these uh, gig workers. So it, it is it is a terrible terrible model that I think is just going to undercut and undermine the efforts of the labor movement uh, here in this country. Um, and, you know, we're seeing some of these uh, same strategies being implemented 
across uh, the world, right? But in many other places, labor unions and labor law is far stronger uh, to protect these gig workers and to protect the, uh, you know, these, I mean, here in this city, it's largely, as, as you were saying, Leah, uh, an immigrant and indigenous workforce. Um, so it's, I'm not surprised that here in this settler colonial, you know, society, there is still this sort of internal colonial effort to, you know, disenfranchise and to exploit, super exploit a certain set of the population here in New York City. We actually have some workers speaking to this. So we're going to play a clip from a delivery worker who was interviewed by our correspondent, Lupita, at last week's incredible Deliveristas March. Can you tell me uh, your name and what borough you're from? Um, Josh Wood. I'm from Manhattan. And are you uh, with the group today, the Liberistas Unidos? Loosely affiliated. Okay. Um, are you a delivery worker yourself? I am. What are the apps that you're using to do delivery? Uber Eats. Mainly? Yeah. I have the other apps downloaded, but Uber oh, yeah. is my main one. And why are you here today? Um, the gig economy is the future of the economy, and we don't have any labor protections as it is. Um, we have to use the bathroom on the streets because there aren't public bathrooms open in the city, and the restaurants who we are picking up food from, essentially we are working for them because they replaced their full-time workers with people who are independent contractors assigned to no restaurant, so we can't even use the bathroom. Um, we are working one of the most dangerous jobs in the city, and when we get into accidents, we don't get workers' compensation. If we get COVID, we can't show up to work. We just don't make money that day. Um, our companies, they have this algorithm that we work under, and it's does not pay attention to the actual working conditions. If if people lie that we stole their food because they want to get a free meal, we get fired and we have no way to appeal it. Um, if there's a delay at the restaurant, um, our choices are, and we have someone else's food in our backpack, our choices are either we call customer support, which takes like 10 minutes, so the other customer gets angry at us and gives us a down vote, or we just cancel the order and then our ratings take a hit because we canceled the order without calling customer support first. Like, our companies don't care about us. We're the most expendable workers in the city. You you don't need a resume to apply. You just hit a button on the website and you get approved right away and they're like, go find your own e-bike. Oh, and if your bike gets stolen, we're not even going to help you out with that. So there's been a lot of talk about whether gig workers should be contracted workers or whether they should be considered regular workers. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think there's an in-between um, where contracted workers can be regulated to the extent that ordinary workers are. Um, what are the kind of protections you want to see from, uh, from uh, delivery apps that use uh, gig workers? The right to use the bathroom, um, the right to get workers' compensation if we get into accidents, um, and transparency about how our, about how our ratings work, um, and the ability to appeal if we get fired because the algorithm didn't like us. And I know that there's been a lot of robberies, a lot of hit and runs and uh, deaths because of this. In terms of that, what do you want the city to be able to do uh, for workers 
uh, when it comes to hit and runs and other violence they're facing. Make the city safer for bikers. What, how do you, what do you think would make the streets safer? Fewer cars, congestion pricing was supposed to be implemented a year and a half ago. COVID shut it down. Since COVID, everyone started biking around the city. It was nice for a summer, and then the cars came back with no congestion pricing and no major changes to the infrastructure. And last year, despite having no cars on the road for a third of the year, there were more cyclists killed than there were in 2019. We're going to take a quick musical break. And when we come back, we want to hear from you. So what do you think of the issue of worker classification? Do you think corporations like Uber and DoorDash should stop this independent contractor nonsense? Give us a call with your thoughts at 212-209-2877. Stick around. Every morning I look out from the corner of the mud. I'm just here waiting to help you. There can be no fear for us. When the people, they come back like it used to be before. I want it better, better than it was before. So that was Dark Eyes by Lila Downs. You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM, also streaming on WBAI.org. My name is Leah, and I'm here with Julian, and we're discussing the fight around worker misclassification. Our phone lines are open, so give us a call at 212-209-2877. We'll love to hear from you. Leah, in fact, I think we have a caller right now. Caller, welcome to Working Class Heroes Radio. If you can give us your name and where you're calling from. Yeah, hi. Am I there? Yes, welcome. Oh, good. Yeah, my name is David. Um, I'm calling from uh, New Jersey, but I am a, and I'm in solidarity with those, all those people, uh, everyone, the delivery people especially. Uh, I'm a retired New York City school teacher who's been substituting for the last three years. And what I'm shouting out about is reclassification, is that we worked all through the spring last year during the pandemic and a lot of us at these regional enrichment centers during the summer. And now you may be aware the state and the DOE is trying to get our uh, summer unemployment benefits back. And the key phrase of all of this is something called, um, I'll I'll hurry this up, I know you have callers waiting. The key phrase of all this is something called reasonable assurance meaning that in order to teach as a substitute teacher in New York in June for the following year, you have to agree that there's no foreseeability that's going to be work. Well, you know, as everyone knows, last year was that was just totally changed by the pandemic. But now they're reasserting that claim, and this is what I'm getting to, because you see your show is t- terrific. about uh, a, We are now a new classification of workers. 
We have a large corporation called Equifax that is handling these claims for the DOE. And um, enough said for me, I suppose. <laughs> we are we are less than nothing. We have no rights to anything. If something goes wrong at a school, we can't address those problems. But again, the the oh now I got it. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not good at this. I apologize. The um, the reasonable assurance is actually an indentured service agreement. It's a it's a, a it's it's a contract law thing that comes from commercial law to have a organization reduce its costs. Not unlike what was going on with the Albertsons and with the uh, uh, the Lyft drivers and all that. So anyway, I'll get off the wonderful show and I just please listen. Well, that's what's going on, and they're trying to take our summer benefits away, and they're also telling us that we cannot work on the day that we have the hearing. And gosh, all the rest, and I'll get up. And thank you so much for listening. David from New Jersey, thank you so much for your call. It was very important to hear what you had to say. And I think it's an issue that, you know, we're seeing the state and uh, the private sector really pivoting to, using this as a way to beat workers um, and their rights um, and, and not give everything that is due. All labor deserves dignity. But Leah, what do you think about this? Yeah, uh, thank you, David, for raising that. Thank you for sharing your own story and how this is affecting you because it's happening in so many different sectors. Uh, like most recently, um, the National Labor Relations Board actually withdrew a proposed rule that would have designated uh, grad workers at private universities as only students, not as employees. And that designation was really important because by be, by being able to be designated as an employee, they are able to um, create a bargaining unit and to unionize. And so that's so important when we're talking about really fighting for better working conditions and some of, and like they're currently on strike, Columbia grad workers and um, NYU students also, uh, grad workers are also currently on strike. So that that uh, misclassification really impacts people's livelihoods. And that's just one way um, that was just like a recent case. And and that's in like, um, you know, that's like, and that's for like private colleges and that ruling really would have drastically impacted people's livelihood if it were to have passed. Right. So there, there you go. We're seeing it not only, you know, at the, at the restaurant industry, we're also seeing it at the, you know, Ivy league sort of educational sort of area. So it is something that um, that is being used right now, and it's a cudgel. It's really a cudgel against the working class. And and I think, you know, deliveristas, the taxi drivers, a lot of these drivers, the 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 Columbia grad student workers who are going on strike, all that is part of this effort to sort of push back, push back. Um, you know, the delivery worker that Lupita interviewed was also speaking to these overall issues with gay companies and safety issues on the roads on the roads that arise. Um, and we've seen also uh, efforts by Uber, Lyft, uh, Postmates and DoorDash to stop this like progressive legislation from passing to rec to recognize these workers. Um, and they were able to actually do that with this thing called Prop 22 in California. Leah, can you tell us a little bit about um, Prop 22 or... Yeah, so basically, uh, Prop 22 is a ballot measure that was um, actually being pushed by these large companies, um, Uber, Lyft, Postmates, DoorDash, all of them, right? Um, and what that ended up resulting in is that they were able to designate their drivers as independent contractors. And this was just after um, drivers had won some big wins in terms of things that they had access to um, that they normally, that they um, originally had it. 
Um, and so folks are organizing um, to prevent something like that from happening here in New York. Actually, there is something there's a coalition that is made of workers, consumers, organizers and advocates and lawyers who are actually um, fighting against worker misclassification here in New York City. Right. Um, they they put together a list of demands. Right. I mean, I know that this fight is also gaining some steam because I believe this past Thursday during a press conference, the current U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh made a statement about how in a lot of cases, gig workers should be classified as employees. And this is I think this is a big deal because, you know, if we consider Uber and definitely a big deal, definitely a big deal. They spend billions, I'm sorry, well, lots of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars on influencing the government and changing, you know, these laws here in local local cities in San Francisco, New York City. Um, But the fact that Marty Walsh, the labor secretary, the U.S. labor secretary is saying something, I think that's huge. And really, the credit goes to those gig workers who are pushing and rallying across the country. Yeah. And, you know, especially on this beautiful May Day, uh, we really want to highlight that, right, that all this has been really the efforts that have been um, the the efforts have been won have been through worker organizing and here more locally delivery workers have been organizing for stronger protections has led to many of the members of the New York City Council to propose bills that would be addressing issues that are um, that are faced by these delivery workers so some of them are um, one of them would is that restaurants must provide access to um, restrooms for delivery workers. And another proposed bill would allow delivery workers to actually set limits on how far they're willing to travel for delivery. Um, And this is really important because they're able to select the routes without actually facing repercussions and having the rating on the app be affected by that. Looking at the rest of the list, there's two more here. And the third one says that um, the, the legislation would require third-party food delivery companies to provide the, in, the insulated bags at no cost to the workers because oftentimes it's the workers themselves who are buying the, the, the electric bicycle, the equipment, the bags, the insulated bags, everything that they need to, to do this work. And, and the, neither uh, you know, DoorDash or Postmates nor the uh, employer at these restaurants have to pay for those things. Um, And the fourth uh, piece of legislation also requires that the apps pay workers, these um, delivery workers, on a weekly basis and prohibit charging any fees in order to receive payment. Now, those are some of the demands. There are many more demands, I'm sure, and we're going to get a chance to really hear from two deliveristas themselves. We're going to take a quick musical break, uh, but when we come back, we're going to be speaking to them directly. So stick around.
was Sakawo by Bombay Estéreo. You're listening to Working Class Heroes on WBAI 99.5 FM, also streaming on WBAI.org. My name is Julian Guerrero, and tonight we are actually joined by two deliveristas workers, uh, Katiana and Juan Carlos. Uh, they are deliveristas here in New York City. They represent and they come from an immigrant background. They're both uh, Latino folks. Um, and in fact, we're going to try to do something different for this segment. We're going to, I'm going to speak uh, and ask the questions in English, um, but our two guests will be responding in Spanish. Thankfully, we have a member of the Working Class Heroes Collective here, Lupita, who's going to um, help in, in interpreting this, this entire conversation. So folks can bear with us. In the meantime, we'd also still like to get calls from you guys. Uh, if possible, please give us a call with your thoughts or questions at 212-209-2877. Hola, buenos días a todos. Eh, mi nombre es Lupita y yo voy a ser la intérprete para esta sección de nuestro episodio. Eh, Juan Carlos y Katia, muchas gracias por haber estado aquí con nosotros. Lo que vamos a hacer es que vamos a hacer las preguntas en eh, inglés, Julián va a hacer las preguntas en inglés y después yo voy a interpretar al español. Ustedes pueden contestar en español y yo después eh, interpretaría sus respuestas en inglés. Um, entonces, comenzamos con eso. Thank you, Lupita. So, let's get started, right? What is your name? Uh, where are you originally from? And how long have you lived in New York? As well as how long have you been a delivery worker? So, la primera pregunta va a ser sobre si me puedes dar su nombre, um, de dónde vienes, cuánto tiempo llevas viviendo aquí en Nueva York y, y también cuánto tiempo llevas trabajando como un deliverista. Katia, si quieres ir. Oh, eh, muy buenas tardes. ¿Me escuchan? Sí, te escuchamos, Katia. Yes, we hear you, Katia. Muy buenas tardes. Me llamo Katia Navarro. Tengo 16 años en este país desde que llegué. Eh, soy madre de familia, tengo dos hijos y desde enero comencé como deliverista. Hi, my name is Katia. I am a mother of two children and I have been here in this country for 16 years um, and I have been working as a deliverista for a couple of years. Thank you, Katia. What about you, Juan Carlos? Hi, uh, my name is Juan Carlos. Uh, I was born in Mexico City. I've been living in the city for like the past four years. And um, I used to be a chef, but ever since the pandemic, you know, what's happening. So I'm starting on delivery since um, November of last year. Hola, buenas tardes a todos. Mi nombre es Juan Carlos. Yo nací en la Ciudad de uh, México y yo antes era un chef de cocina, pero por la pandemia he empezado a trabajar como deliverista. Thank you all. Uh, gracias por estar aquí con nosotros. Uh, thanks for being here with us. Uh, my first question I'd like to ask you all is uh, about your working conditions. If you can Talk to us about, you know, how much sort of autonomy or control over your conditions um, do you have? Entonces, si, si pueden, por favor, a la siguiente pregunta, um, decirnos cómo, qué tipo de autonomía o control ustedes tienen sobre su trabajo de día a día. Katia, si quieres ir primero, if you want to go. Eh, sí. 
Eh, bueno, nosotros eh, como deliveristas, pues eh, creo que algún control eh, exactamente a nosotros nos hemos eh, visto que han asaltado mucho a los a los deliveristas, ¿verdad? Entonces creo que ese punto pues no no está habiendo un control en, en los asaltos hacia, hacia los deliveristas. Yes, so I will say that as a delivery workers, we definitely have some control uh, over our work. But what we're seeing is that there are a lot of us that are being assaulted in the streets. And I don't think that we have been able to get some control over that situation. Juan Carlos, what do you think about um, about these things? Well, um, I don't think we have any control of uh of the, uh, you're talking about the salary wise or uh, what control of what happening to us while we're working? I guess generally speaking, uh, while you're working, sort of like, you know, how much control do you have over your 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 job, your right to take a certain well, task? It, and depends on what app you're logging. Like, for example, really, it just give you like, um, they don't give you a choice for you to uh, yeah, accept or not accept the orders that they give you. No matter how far is it, how much they pay. Like, for example, yesterday I was on Twenty um, Second Street, and they required me to go to Eighty First Street. I was on Madison Avenue all the way down to uh, Park Avenue, and uh, the distance was like three point eight miles, and they only tip you two dollars. So you don't have a, the option to. I mean, if you don't accept the uh, the delivery, they might take you out of the, the um, not of the system, but they kick you out of the uh, schedule you have for that day. So no matter what you have to accept it. So just think about it. It's like more than than 30 minutes, right? For you to deliver the fruit from the point that you pick up the, the, the order and the time that it takes you from where you are to go and get the food. And sometimes you have to wait more than 10 minutes. There, there are some um, restaurants that make you wait more than 20 minutes for you to get the food because it's not ready when you arrive. So basically you're talking about like you, you, you're losing like 50 minutes just to get an order for get $2 tip. I mean, that's ridiculous, you know? Absolutely. See, we, don't have, we don't have control of that. So, which is... Juan Carlos eh, dice, este, bueno, depende de cómo quieras ver la situación. Eh, la verdad, yo no creo que tenemos mucho control sobre diferentes aspectos. Por ejemplo, específicamente las órdenes que recibimos o las órdenes que tenemos que um, dejar. Uh, por ejemplo, ayer yo estaba en la calle 22 y me requirieron eh, una de mis eh, órdenes que fuera hasta más de las 180 y eso fue más de tres millas que yo tenía que viajar y solamente me dieron dos dólares de tip, de propina y, y uno tiene que saber que si no aceptamos eh, esa orden um, de la aplicación nos pueden sacar de la aplicación um, y también eh, cuando aceptas solamente te dan 30 minutos para poder llevar la orden cuando en los restaurantes a veces nos hacen esperar hasta 15, 20 minutos para que nos den la comida porque ellos se tardan entonces de esa manera yo creo que la verdad no tenemos control sobre eso thank you for that so Katia I want to ask you a question you know one thing that we realize when you look at a lot of the photos of the deliverista march is that there are a lot of a lot of men 
uh, very, very few women. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, what is it like to work uh, in that job as a woman? Um, and, you know, how does it differ for delivery drivers that are men? Entonces, Katia, la pregunta es, uh, en, en la protesta, en la marcha de los deliveristas, se ve, se ve mucho, mucho hombre y no se ve mucha mujer o trabajadoras uh, que, están, que son parte de los deliveristas. Entonces, si nos puedes contar um, cómo es diferente para usted siendo mujer um, y, y cómo el trabajo es diferente, sí, si, si nos puedes decir. Eh, sí, bueno, el, el trabajo, pues las órdenes es lo mismo. Eh, la diferencia es que pues uno como mujer, tanto como hombre, pues peligramos en las calles, ¿verdad? Pero siento que nosotros como mujeres estamos más expuestas a algún tipo de peligro. Porque incluso yo ahora que he estado, antes solo hacía uno o dos días, no hacía mucho. Pero ahora ya estoy, desde que empecé con el, el proyecto de justicia laboral que es con los deliberistas unidos, yo empecé ya a involucrarme más y he visto que han pasado muchas cosas, incluso que han asaltado hasta con, con pistola. Entonces, ahí es donde yo trabajo, por ejemplo, hay muchas mujeres que trabajan en la madrugada, yo trabajo hasta las 2, 3 de la mañana también. Entonces, sí, es un poco peligroso, aunque ando con mi esposo trabajando, pero él anda por cada quien, anda por, por su ruta, ¿verdad? Entonces, uno como mujer sí peligra también más y pues... Sí, es un poquito más difícil porque uno como mujer eh, a veces que no nos permiten el acceso al baño. Entonces, un hombre pues a veces va a ser por ahí al baño, muy diferente que, que una mujer. A veces una mujer tiene su, 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 tenemos nuestro periodo también. Entonces, es un poco muy incómodo, demasiado incómodo eh, que no nos den acceso a los baños. And Katya said, um, yes, you know, I, I think that when it comes to um, sort of the orders and the way that the apps work, I think we have the similar conditions, uh, men and women, but I do feel like women um, do have, do face a little bit more danger um, when it comes to our work. Before, for example, I used to deliver uh, one or two days only, but now ever since I joined the Liberistas Unidos, I've been a little bit more involved. And because of that, I think I've seen just how much violence there is going on. Uh, I've, I've heard of people being uh, robbed at gunpoint, for example. And so I think that, you know, when it comes to that kind of violence, women definitely are a lot more vulnerable. Um, also, you know, a lot of women work at midnight. I sometimes work until 2 or 3 a.m. Um, and even though I work with my husband, who's also a delivery worker, um, and we work similar hours, he has his own route, he has his own orders. And so I am by myself. And so I think that it does make us more vulnerable. It's also especially harder, for example, when it comes to the bathroom issue. As women, we um, also have to deal with our period and at times to not have access to the bathrooms really is a problem for us. Katia, gracias, gracias por eso y ese, esa mirada porque realmente no se escucha mucho. Katia, thank you uh, for that for that perspective because you know it's not heard often enough um we actually i believe we have a caller on the line i want to welcome this caller see if we can um take their question or their comment uh caller welcome to working class heroes radio uh your name and where you're calling from 
Well, thanks very much. My name's Russell. I'm on Tuckahoe Road in Yonkers right now. Uh, I, I thought I heard somebody say that yellow cab drivers are actually independent operators. And I'd like to dispute that. Forty years ago, they were calling us independent operators, even though provided they provided the car and the schedules. And I just wonder, you know, where were the unions for the last 40 years? And I'd like to ask on, you know, happy May Day, comrade. I'd like to ask you, do you think trade unionism is really a waste of time, that we need a real more revolutionary force? Unfortunately, it appeared in the form of Donald Trump. But I don't think you should be part of the authoritarian left that cancels anyone who, who disagrees with them, because that came from McCarthyism. But what I want to ask the drivers there, rights and responsibilities go together. Is there an education program for delivery drivers to improve their image? Because they're hitting pedestrians with these motorized devices, and it really doesn't help them. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, thanks, Russell. Um, appreciate uh, the call. Uh, Juan Carlos, if you want to speak to that. Yeah, that's not true. That, that's another thing that we have to deal with, that people don't understand sometimes that they, the reason we go on top of the sidewalks is because we have to park our vehicle just to make sure it's there when you when, when you come out of the building. So it's not like we don't do that on purpose. There is so many people that are so mean. Like they're giving you a look or, or they start uh, like screaming at you that you that you're not supposed to be on top of the sidewalk, but that's that's how, that's how we try to make our vehicles to be safe. So for some reason or another, sometimes even when you go to the restaurants, you got you have to go on top of the sidewalk and and tie them up your vehicle just to make sure it's there when you come out. Eh, para Katia y personas que hablan en español, él no, lo que dijo la persona que llamó ahorita es que, bueno, él se llama Russell, es de Yonkers. Um, él eh, está en solidaridad con, con todos los trabajadores, los deliveristas. Um, él quiere saber eh, específicamente um, dónde han estado las uniones y la, las uniones de trabajadores en este problema. Um, uh, por muchos años no, no han hecho nada al respecto de este problema. Y también quiere saber él si es que los deliveristas reciben algún tipo de educación sobre las calles, ya que él ha visto que um, deliveristas a veces han atropellado a pedestres a gente en la calle, gente caminando, entonces él quería saber eso. A Juan Carlos, eh, nuestro deliverista aquí, le comentó que él no cree que eso sea una generalización verdadera. Él cree que muchos deliveristas uh, tienen que usar la acera porque no hay suficiente espacio. A veces cuando van a recoger las órdenes tienen que ir hacia la acera para poder parquear sus vehículos, sus bicicletas y uh, la verdad es que el problema es que no hay suficiente espacio para los deliveristas. You know, th those were a lot of large questions that I think that were being asked. Um, I don't feel like we have quite the time nor the, the, the bandwidth to really address them, unfortunately. But, you know, we do have some time for a few more questions. We're actually going to go to a quick musical break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Deliverista action and, and where that movement is going. So please stick around.
That was I Don't Want to Fight No More by Alabama Shakes. You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM, also streaming on WBAI.org. We're here talking with Katia and Juan Carlos, two delivery workers, part of the delivery movement in New York City. Our phone lines are open, uh, so remember you can give us a call at 212-209-2877. So sorry, we had, Lupita, sorry that we cut you off before. I know there was, um, you know, jump to the musical segue, and I think it cut you off. I don't know if you still wanted to interpret for Katya or if you feel like we could move on. Uh- no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, sí, Katia, nada más este, uh, la última pregunta pues ya no se contestó porque sí había muchas, um, muchos temas grandes que no podíamos discutir um, y hablar. Pero este, bueno, ahora vamos a movernos a las últimas preguntas de nuestro programa. Okay. So I am curious, how did you guys become involved with Los Deliveristas Unidos? Entonces, estoy bien curioso si me pueden decir cómo se involucraron en la organización de Los Deliveristas Unidos. Katia, si quieres contestar. Ok, eh, yo, me, yo empecé a ver, como entré a trabajar de, del, de deliverista, entonces empecé a ver en Facebook que había una una asociación que se llamaba eh, Justicia Laboral, me salió en Facebook. Entonces yo empecé a seguir la página y de ahí vi que había varios, que ellos eh, organizaban a varias organizaciones, in, eh, incluyendo a los Deliberistas Unidos. Entonces me llamó la atención, empecé a ver y a seguirlos lo que para saber qué es lo que estaban ellos haciendo, porque a mí me interesaba saber mm, mi seguridad y saber qué era lo que hacían ellos. Y ahí fue donde yo me empecé a contactar con ellos y empecé a involucrarme con ellos y vi que ellos estaban ayudando a la comunidad, que estaban eh, también que organizaron la marcha. Yo incluso fui a la marcha también en, en apoyo para todos los deliberistas. Entonces yo fue así como yo me, me involucré con ellos, con los deliberistas unidos. Y bueno, yo por eso les comenté que yo quiero seguir apoyando, porque hay más gente también que necesita el apoyo y hay gente que no ha sido escuchada también. Um, well, uh, I became involved when, you know, after I started working as a deliverista, I on Facebook saw a group called the Workers Justice Project. It kind of popped up and I started looking into it because, as I said, I started doing this work. I'm very interested in, in staying safe in my own safety and understanding. And I saw that they organized with different kinds of workers from different industries, including delivery workers. And so I, I started to become involved and realize that they are providing a lot of support support um, to a lot of different people, uh, deliveristas especially, and I just want to continue to stay involved. For example, they organized a march last week for the liberistas, and I, I attended to that, and, you know, I just want to keep going with it and continue to stay involved because I want to support other folks who may not know about this. Um, there are a lot of people who need the support uh, who are not getting it right now, and so I do um, want to stay involved. Gracias, Katia. Y Juan, Juan Carlos, ¿qué piensas? What do you think, Juan Carlos? Well, I heard from, uh, also from uh, Facebook, uh, some of my friends and family members that work for, also work for as a delivery And me and myself, uh, I become a delivery like uh, five or six months ago. And that's how I heard from uh, the movement that they had on, uh, on, on hand. 
And that's how I, you know, like that's how I heard it. That's how I get involved in it. And I'm doing this, you know, well, just to stick together and try to help each other. So I, I have a question. What are, I mean, I have a bunch of questions, obviously. So here's my next one. <laughs> so what are some of the hopes that you have from that action, from, from that march? Si me pueden decir cuáles son algunas de las esperanzas que tienen saliendo de esa acción, de esa marcha, ¿qué esperan que, que va a pasar? Bueno, yo en este caso, pues, eh, ya se están viendo resultados donde se, donde legisladores han estado, incluso acaba de haber una rueda de prensa donde dijeron que ya van, van a hacer que los restaurantes nos den acceso a los baños, que apenas se va a emitir todo esto. Entonces, pienso que la marcha, pues sí, sí fue escuchada en cierto punto, sí está siendo escuchada por legisladores que también nos están apoyando. Um, well, we are already seeing results. Um, I think, you know, we saw this week uh, some politicians, elected officials had that press conference where they spoke about uh, restaurants giving us access to bathrooms and other things. And so I do think that our march, for example, last week, that it, it came out of that and, and our march was heard. What we're doing is being heard. So we just have to keep going. Juan Carlos, to you, what do you what would you like to see come out of the this action, this movement? Well, hopefully we get less violence on the streets from, uh, you know, for all uh, co-workers, like, to be much responsible, uh, being, like, stolen their uh, like or money or the food sometimes that we deliver. Um, hopefully, and just got to remember, summer is coming and sometimes it's getting worse. So hopefully it's get, it gets better and we can get some more help from the from the police. Absolutely. It seems often, too, that this issue is an issue of like broader recognition and rights and municipal rights um, that, that the city really should be giving to a lot of uh, a lot of the deliveries to really the immigrant community. Yeah, but worst thing is they never do that when you call them or you ask for help. Then it seems like they, they really care when you require for uh, help. My next question, I think this might be our last question because we're running out of time, is, um, or actually here, we have a question uh, from our Facebook caller. I think it's a pretty big question, um, but let's see what y'all think about it. Is there any news about how these apps can be transparent about the tips delivery workers receive? Um, we got this question from Dariela over Facebook, um, and she says most of these apps just show a total, quote unquote, Uh, of tips per day instead of per delivery, which can be confusing and shady as delivery workers can't really prove they are receiving 100% of their tips. Y para Katia en español, esta última pregunta nos vino desde Facebook y la pregunta es, este, ¿ustedes creen que hay, a, a, debe de haber algún cambio o noticia en cómo las aplicaciones pueden ser más honestas en relación a cómo ustedes reciben sus propinas? Por ejemplo, muchas de estas aplicaciones solo muestran las eh, propinas en total por día que reciben uh, por orden en vez de, y eso puede ser confuso. Entonces, porque los trabajadores entonces no pueden comprobar que están recibiendo 100% sus propinas. ¿Ustedes tienen alguna opinión sobre esto? Eh, sí, en este caso también eso, eso es algo que también dentro de todo lo que estamos promoviendo, 
pues es que ese punto también muy importante que, eh, que queremos claridad en, en, en los tips, en las propinas, ya que es como, como dicen, eh, nos entregan ahora sí el completo el semanal, pero no sabemos eh, lealmente si ellos están quedando con propinas, porque a veces los clientes dan eh, más propina y no nos están esclareciendo el, el lo que es totalmente la propina completa, solamente nos dan, como usted dijo, eh, un estimado exacto de la, de la cantidad semanal. Entonces eso también es algo que, que están exigiendo, eh, esclarecimiento para las propinas. Yes, uh, that is actually something that we are pushing. Uh, we want more clarity on our tips. Uh, as, as it was mentioned, the apps do show us only uh, what we get an estimate for the entire week of tips, uh, but we don't actually know how we can tell if they're keeping some of our tips or they're giving us all of our tips. Sometimes customers give more money um, or more tips, and we are just not sure. And so we want more honesty and clarity about that. Gracias, Katia. Um, Juan Carlos, do you have a, a response to that question? Well, yeah, <clears throat> it depends on what app you're working on. Like, for example, DoorDash, it shows you before you uh, pick up the order how much you're going to get. And it shows you how much you get at the end of the, when you're done with, with the delivery. But um, really, it doesn't show how much you're getting it until you're done with, with the delivery. So, uh, and At DoorDash, you choose if you're going to get paid weekly or you can get paid daily. So I think it's not a problem with that, but it shows how much you make at the end of the day. Thank you all. I really appreciate we're unfortunately sort of at the time limit. I do want to thank both Juan Carlos and Katia for estar aquí con nosotros, por hablar con nosotros, to talk with us, to uh, really get into this issue. A big shout out to Lupita as well. Um, really appreciate uh, you helping to interpret this discussion um, and really getting the story of Los Deliveristas, of Katia and Juan Carlos across this city. Mucha, mucha solidaridad con ustedes y, y fuerza, realmente. Muchas gracias. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. Hasta luego. Ya subase a la bici, compa. Trépese a la de montaña, la bici urbana, la bici cross. Lleguele a la bicicleta, ya de menos a la eléctrica o a la estática, ya no hay tos. Llegaré pedaleando en el viaje de allá para acá, que nos vayan dejando un carril para nosotros ya. Anda en bici la banda, porque tiene su qué sé yo, cada vez más demanda, porque es mágica, poco no, cumbia para las biclas que nos mueven de allá para acá, a ver si ya reciclan un carril para nosotros ya.